Hello, and welcome to The Bible and Culture, a podcast that combines a life-shaping study of the scriptures, the authentic ministry of Christian poetry, and practical observations of our culture. I'm Vernon L. Harper, minister, poet, and author. Join me in exploring content that builds the Christian life, equips the Christian poet, and explores issues important to us all. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. Our episode today is entitled The Judgment of the West, and it is a prophetic message framed to show the why and how of the coming U.S. judgment. Because the idea of prophecy is mishandled so drastically and frequently in Christian circles, I will take just a few moments to frame its use here. If I wanted to discredit the quality of a Rolex watch, I would not spend my time speaking against the quality of Rolexes. This would be a waste of time because anyone who owns a Rolex or purchases one would immediately know its quality and ignore everything I say. No, to undermine the credibility of a Rolex, I would simply create a cheap counterfeit and pass it off as a Rolex. This is what the enemy has done with prophecy, created false prophecies through prideful ministers trying to exalt their spiritual status through predictions of the future. Predictions about when Jesus will return and pronouncements of judgment that God has made, these are the the fake Rolexes, by the way, are so prevalent that spiritual prophecy has become a joke. In light of this, I want to say that I am not predicting the future in this message. I am merely giving a reason for what is already beginning to happen. You can read various economic, political, and social books, articles, and other publications by secular experts predicting severe changes to the West in general and to the United States in particular. In this message, I am merely examining the spiritual reasons behind what is coming to pass. The poem in this episode is entitled Prophesying. It was written in the fall of 2019, and it is a scathing rebuke of our Western privileged Christian sensibilities. It is written in the long-form prose style of culturally relevant and socially impactful message poetry. This type of poetry flourished as part of the social-political currents of change that washed over the United States in the middle of the last century. Many of these poems became anthems for movements or rants against the status quo. A hallowed example of this type of poem is For My People by Margaret Walker. Unlike many of the poems in our episodes, this poem does not appear in my book of poetry titled Christian Poems and Other Radical Explorations, available on Amazon. This poem is from my next book of poems to be published in early 2021. You can read more about this poem and excerpts from my coming books at our HDIF Patreon page. HDIF stands for Heart of David International Fellowship, and it is our virtual pastoral fellowship hosted on the Patreon membership platform. Visit us there to ask questions, access exclusive content, and fellowship with our community. Now on to the episode.
prophesying. The plainly spoken truth is that we live in the day of the post-Christian church whose ministry and faith are based on tradition, politics, and personal philosophy. Our use of the Bible is as lightly spoken platitudes appropriated judiciously to justify our actions and grant our hypocrisy a thin glaze of religious acceptability. The Christian church's foundation is Jesus, and we can only build on that foundation through an authentic understanding of the scriptures. However, the truth of the Bible is routinely flushed down our stadium church's pay toilets and replaced by self-help prosperity and egocentric propaganda. Ministers skinning the faithful of their bleeding, aching paychecks, making them inhale the noxious fumes of politics as ministry, straying beyond Ezekiel's warning into a pool of their own blood as darkness falls and God settles all family business. Ignoring the testimony of Judas, Saul, Ananias, and Sapphira, building a shelter of whitewash and wet cardboard in the hopes of keeping out the onslaught of spiritual attacks and avoiding redeeming judgment through all those hypocrisy points earned by our own frequent failure miles. We believe that the end times is the distant future, and we believe that the scathing rebukes from Christians fed to hyenas and tortured on the rack and sawn in two and kidnapped from their school to be sold as sex slaves while the world watched and yawned in protest could be ignored through a comatose lethargy of consumption. How can we believe Christian faith can be anything other than counterculture as the nature of this world is on full display and the culture burns through human flesh, piling the ashes of abandoned purpose on its way to Armageddon? This world is refugee children killed, disassembled and sold for spare parts while traveling a mutated, malformed commerce road that is bloody and fractured and paved with wolf teeth on the hunt. This world is producing more food than the world needs, yet hunger victims are covered in pitch, twisting in the slow burn of starvation, lighting Nero's garden paths of economic and political exclusion. This world is funding both sides of the drug war as impoverished third world casualties are burned like cordwood in the engine of a train called despair and the passengers travel toward oblivion high and blinded by the stack smoke that fills the car Auschwitz like. This world is crushing spirits with poverty and corrupting souls through poverty and splintering minds because of poverty, 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 as our garbage disposal eats better than children and the discarded cardboard box that our new smart refrigerator was delivered in becomes a shelter and we walk past alcoholic great sleepers as if the grace of God does not apply. Seeing the world fractured into tectonic tsunamis and earthquakes and volcanoes and pandemics and wars and their rumors and economic upheaval and tribal hatred and its bloodshed should open our eyes to the need for praying people and the need for a public testimony and the need for love displayed as grace, kindness and the hope of Christ. Within probable walking distance of where any of us are right now, someone is hungry, someone is abused, someone is strung out, someone is threatened by eviction, someone is rejecting Jesus because they think he is merely an invention of our lightly spoken platitudes. Oh God, forgive us our trespasses, our failures, our wanton disregard for your word and your son. We lay our hearts open and aching before your throne and rely on your mercy to restore us in your love and in your mission. We do not deserve your consideration, but we rely on your mercy. Do this for your own glory. 
We want to be instruments of your truth and return the loss to your heart as lambs who have lost their way. We will respond to your voice and return to the true gate and return to your true love and return through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. The Judgment of the West. The scripture for today's episode is found in Ezekiel 22, 23 and through 31. And it reads, Again, a message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, give the people of Israel this message. In the day of my indignation, you will be like a polluted land, a land without rain. Your princes plot conspiracies just as lions stalk their prey. They devour innocent people, seizing treasures and extorting wealth. They make many widows in the land. Your priests have violated my instructions and defiled my holy things. They make no distinction between what is holy and what is not, and they do not teach my people the difference between what is ceremonially clean and unclean. They disregard my Sabbath day so that I am dishonored among them. Your leaders are like wolves who tear apart their victims. They actually destroy people's lives for money. And your prophets cover up for them by announcing false visions and making lying predictions. They say, my message is from the sovereign Lord. When the Lord hasn't spoken a single word to them, even common people oppress the poor, rob the needy and deprive foreigners of justice. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. But I found no one. So now I will pour out my fury on them, consuming them with the fire of my anger. I will heap on their heads the full penalty for all of their sins. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Thus endeth the reading of God's word. I have spoken previously about the nature of God's judgment in episode four of this podcast series. The summary of that idea is that a human being is the only thing in the world that can say no to God. And when a person or group of people acting together say no to God long enough, he turns them over to the consequences of that thing they have chosen. This is judgment. In this scripture, the city of Jerusalem has become sensual, living only to fulfill their fleshly nature. There is no regard for the poor or doing what is right. There is only continued pursuit of selfish gain and pleasure. This description of Jerusalem is surprisingly like the culture and nature of the United States today. We as a nation spend more money creating and consuming our various forms of entertainment than we do feeding the poor or sheltering the homeless. We as a nation spend more time and energy creating and consuming fashion, things like our clothing, our, like our cosmetics, our interior design, and the latest smartphone. We spend more money on this than we do the education of our children. Now we can give each other a laundry list of excuses for why this is happening, but the reality is it is happening and there is no excuse for it. We as a nation are funding both sides of the drug war. Our demand for recreational drugs is responsible for all the murders, tortures, and bloodshed that occur as the battle rages over the rights to fulfill our demand. We are tearing down statues and attacking the name of people from our history without contextualizing their actions within the time that they lived. When we do this, we ignore that our great grandchildren will look back at us and be appalled that we purchased our latest fashion and smartphones without regard to the sweatshop conditions and child labor that produced them. Such hypocrisy, they will say. 
God help us if there's any plaques or statues or institutions with our names on them, because if there are, they will definitely be coming down. Politicians spend more time vying for control and power than they do on solving the many problems of our nation. Political strife is not new to our country because, after all, we fought a civil war and went through the civil rights, equal rights for women, and anti-Vietnam War movements. The difference is that previous conflicts were based on ideas. Even if those ideas were twisted, malformed, and unsupported ideas, they were yet ideas. When we disagreed over any of these other issues, there were two different ideas in conflict. Today, you don't need an idea. You don't even need an accurate accounting of the facts. All you need is the ability to stimulate our sensual nature through emotion, and you can create an entire movement. This is why so many of our current movements are recognized as being leaderless, because when you exist as a function of your sensual nature, you don't need a leader who best articulates an idea. You just need to become emotionally invested in a tribe. Then it becomes my tribe against your tribe, and there can be no discussion because discussion requires ideas. You cannot discuss emotions. You can only express emotions, and you can never talk someone out of an emotional state, so there can be no compromise or working together. I don't want this to degenerate into an, a, a political or social uh, rant, so I will stop there. But most of you know as well as I do the problems that we currently have in our country. The point that I am making is that it is our sensual nature that produces these problems in our country. This is the nature of judgment. We are being increasingly turned over to our sensual nature, so we are increasingly falling victim to the consequences of that nature. The central core of this sensual nature is a twisted expression of freedom of the individual. Freedom in Western democracies used to mean the ability to pursue your best self your higher nature. This was done through education, relationships, expressing what is good into the culture, love of our fellow person, self-sacrifice when necessary, and the like. What Abraham Lincoln called our better angels. If you allow me to quote him, we are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic chords of memory will swell then again touched as surely they will be by the better angels of our nature. But that was a long time ago. Now our sensual nature turns us inward and makes us selfish. Attaining to our best self has been replaced with doing whatever feels best at the time. We have consideration for those people who are part of our tribe and are in agreement with us, but those who will not agree are considered immediately as enemies. This is the nature of a sensual democracy. So naturally, the idea of God is rejected by us as a nation out of hand. Because who is God to tell me how to live and what to do? What possible authority has the right to curb my sensual nature? So we as Christians in this country created God and follow preachers who are a cross between a self-help guru and Santa Claus. Jesus died so we could do what we feel like doing achieving what we feel like achieving and feel justified while we're doing it all. And there are plenty of preachers who will tell us exactly what we want to hear, exactly how we want to hear it. The only problem with that thinking is that God is yet God and besides him, there is no other. 
and righteousness exalts a nation and sin is a reproach to any people. That's Proverbs 14, 34. This brings us to today's scripture and how it applies to the U.S. The scripture begins with God promising his coming indignation with the nation, that the land would be polluted and in want. God tells his people that their leaders plot how to take advantage of and use the people as lions stalk its prey. Sound familiar? There is no speaking of truth by these leaders, but only sensual manipulations to run their own agenda. And in case you are wondering, I am speaking about the extremes of both our political parties. Innocent people suffer because of these leaders by seizing their treasures and extorting their wealth. And at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum, the lack of compassion for the poor and needy causes widows in the land. The spiritual leaders are no better because they do not care about the instruction of the Lord. These religious leaders do not teach the idea of holiness and what is of God and what is not. Then we are told in the scripture that the leaders are like wolves who tear apart the people like prey and they do this for money. On top of this, the religious leaders cover for these leaders wickedness with false proclamations and claiming God is with these leaders when God has spoken no such thing. Even ordinary people are dishonest and responsible for for oppressing the poor, the needy and foreigners. The actions and inactions of everyday people is just as wicked as the political and spiritual leaders, according to what God is proclaiming in this scripture. And that is exactly what we see in our nation today. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that everybody under the sound of my voice and everybody who lives in this country is wicked. That's not how judgment works. When Jerusalem was judged, there were prophets and God's people who lived holy lives and did exactly what God wants and survived and were blessed even in the midst of the judgment. Even as the entire city was judged, these people were able to thrive and survive. So my message here is not to proclaim doom and gloom on everyone. My message here is to explain why we are seeing the things we are seeing in the world around us. Finally, God says that he looked for someone to stand in the gap of the wall of righteousness. That is someone who would be honest in the nation and make a real difference. God would spare us from judgment if he could find someone who would stand for righteousness among the leaders. But God could find no one who would make a difference and turn the sensual dominance of our sensual nature around. Therefore, God will pour out his fury by allowing us to continue in our sensual way and reaping the penalty of violence, economic turmoil, attacks from other nations, etc. This world is a hostile place and all that has to happen is for God to remove his hedge of protection. We see in the story of Job just how important God's hedge of protection is to his people. And we see in Sodom, God would have spared the entire city for 10 righteous people. What happens in the world were a people who used to serve God as best as they could, who used to acknowledge God and their purposes, the laws they made and their actions. What does it happen when those people are turned over and no longer are the salt and light in the earth? What will happen when the U.S. is turned completely over to our sensual nature? We will explore next week what the judgment of the U.S. and the West means for the rest of the world. But for us today, we should all consider, 
our individual and personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in the coming weeks, months, and years, that will be the only thing that will sustain us in the tragedies and hardships that we will see all around us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for covering us and blessing us and protecting us even as the world around us loses its mind. We thank you for being with us and protecting us. We thank you for your goodness and for teaching us and for bringing us closer to you so that we can be strengthened and we can be empowered and we can speak truth and we can have boldness and we can do what you would have us to do even as the world swirls wickedness all around us. We thank you for your healing and your deliverance and for being set free and for being strengthened and for being able to strengthen our neighbor and for being able to express your love into creation and to be able to express your goodness in our neighborhood and to be able to choose to do the right things because you have blessed us and covered us and anoint us with your word and your spirit. And we thank you for all these things. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. blessed by this week's episode of the Bible and Culture. If you were, share this episode on social media and look us up on our HDIF Patreon page. HDIF on Patreon is where we have bonus episodes, the ability to chat, and the rest of our pastoral ministry. Thank you and God bless. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and presents you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Amen.